Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel, most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, I would like to begin by asking Zach a question, as I am known to do sometimes. Zach, my question for you is an important one. It's one I, I think uh, we've never talked about before. But by any chance, had you heard that the band, An Inspiriority Complex, recently released their second album, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime? Did you hear that? I have not heard that, sir. You haven't heard anything about it at all? No. Well, Please then, enlighten me. Then let me, let me tell you all about it. This great band, An Inspiriority Complex, I think... It's the only band that Zach knows to make his intro music. Uh, they have released their own music. They had a first album from back in 2017, but now they've released this new one, Semi-Perfect Yet Sublime. And Zach, there are so many ways for you to listen to it. You can listen to it on our Bandcamp for free. You can download it on our Bandcamp for free. Or you can run over to Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google Music. Pandora, I think we actually got this one on Pandora. I don't listen to Pandora, but I should. Maybe it's popping up there. And if you follow our Facebook page, An Inspiriority Complex, Zach's going to put all those great notes or links in the show notes. And as soon as we're done with this discussion tonight, he's going to go listen to it. Am I right? Uh, as long as no cockroaches are killed, now I'll listen to it. Well, if you watch the video, which we should also talk about, I guess, then you will see some cockroaches. Zach's not a fan of that, so, you know, if they don't give you a case of the Howling Fantods, run over and check out that video. I don't know if anyone who listens to this will get that reference, but it's a reference. <laughs> it's there for someone whom I appreciate it. Yes. So that is my first question for you, Zach. I actually have another question for you now. Is that okay? Uh and, and for some reason, I'm remembering once you said to me, do regrets count as questions? <laughs> Uh, But this question is not a regret. It is, I think, just a fact that right now, when Zach and I are recording this, it is nighttime for both of us. I think it's been established we don't live anywhere near each other, different time zones even, but it is nighttime. So I know what my nighttime's like over here, but Zach, I want to ask you, all the way out there, how many parts silent is your night, and how many parts deadly is your night? Could you tell us? Um, I'd say very little silent, very deadly. Ooh, how so? So something like zero parts silent, two parts deadly. Exactly. I think that's exactly how my night's going over here. <laughs> Maybe a little more silent because my neighbors recently moved out, so I can scream even louder while I'm talking to Zach. <laughs> but there's a lot of deadly, as there usually is. What did you think? Was that a good intro for what we're talking about? <laughs> I think so. Okay, now, Zach, would you like to introduce something that I think we're calling a Zach's choice, but yes. it's really kind of a mutual choice? Yes, much like uh, the episode before this that you'll never hear until sometime in July. This is a Zach's choice, but I think there's uh, some mutual recognition as to the cinemati status of this title, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. So the, the question that arises immediately is, why aren't we talking about part one? And there's because, a good answer to that. <laughs> because Garbage Day is only on part two. 
Garbage Day! Uh, that is a good answer. I was gonna say that literally part one is the first 30 minutes of this movie we get to watch, right? Basically, it's like a highlights reel of, of the good parts in the first film. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't miss anything. I, I actually think I wrote it down, if I can find it in my notes. My notes are quite dense, as Zach can imagine. But what is it? It's the first, because I looked at the timestamp when I was like, this was literally the first movie. 39 minutes! The first 39 minutes of the movie is our main character talking about the events of the first movie. That's bonkers. <laughs> well, the story behind... Okay, uh, for those of you who do not know what the Silent Night, Deadly Night series is, because there are more than two of these, um, the, the essential plot of these movies is uh, two boys are orphaned when a, a Santa in a roadside like attack kills their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older brother, Billy, is abused in the orphanage that he lives at, well, where there's a bunch of nuns. He would later go on to a murderous rampage dressed as Santa. In the sequel, which is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, which we're discussing, his younger brother, Ricky, uh, more or less the same thing kind of happens to him, but that's kind of... Whereas Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1's premise is like the latter half of that film. What this film is is maybe the last 10 minutes of it. Yeah, yeah. This this is more of a drama than it is a uh, schlocky horror Christmas movie. (laughs) <laughs> and i think that uh, kind of describes I, the film in a nutshell i think i should have expected zach to say something like that <laughs> oh man no but I, I see what you're saying um so i think i have to say as as zach mentioned as we both did that this movie has a history between us you know i think you know zach found this movie back when we were living near each other when we first got to know each other and we just kind of latched on to it for Garbage Day, which I'm sure we're going to play an insane amount of times in this episode and all those from here on out. Um, but to be fair, or, or to be clear, I I actually haven't watched this in a while. I think the last time I watched this was back when I was living in Ohio, and that was like, you know, five, six years ago now. Best state, Ohio shape, mental state, Ohio shape, my car shape, Ohio shape, Ohio shape, that's great. Well, I watch the movie at the very least every other year at Christmas time. This is a, I don't like, like I said, I don't think it's an annual tradition. It probably mm-hmm. will be, but it is, for all intents and purposes, a holiday treat. I usually watch it on Christmas Eve, and every <laughs> single time I, pretty much since college, because I like Rob, I just kind of got put away after a sophomore year of high school, and. Ever since, so we're talking like, what, 14, 15, 16, 17. So for about five years straight now, I take mm-hmm. this out of, I ha- underneath my TV, I have four drawers. And one drawer is filled with like VHS tapes that are more valuable than all the other hundreds of them I have <laughs> laying around. Sure. And, sil- and my, my legit official copy of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 is in there. And I watch it at least once a year. I'm a little disappointed because as I watched it in preparation for this, the tape is fading. Oh. Um, it's it's very dark. I can't see half the things that are going on. It really breaks my heart to realize this tape is fading. Like it really yeah. does. I'm like, I don't like I, that's why I want Rob's copy that might be somewhere in the eastern half of this country somewhere. Oh, I actually think I know exactly where it is. All right, I'm gonna need okay, uh, just so our audience knows, <laughs> I need that copy back because I need my via I need a a more or less clean VHS yeah. rip. Okay, okay. So I, I will give you 
all the instructions to heist my parents' house. How does that sound? I'm going to take, in the most delicate, uh, precise fashion, take a cinder block and just chuck it through a window, hoping that it is Rob's window. <laughs> I hope there are no decorations. I'd hate Zach's to ruin like, anybody's like, like, it's the big one with the porch by it, right? <laughs> 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 oh dear but no the, the story behind this is um like most people like any sort of teenagers growing up in the uh mid to late 2000s the the garbage day meme was a big one and in high school we all kind of glommed onto it for the flash in the pan moment it was um me taking it one step further because this was back when movies weren't readily accessible. So if you wanted to watch this, I think at the time it was only available on VHS. I'm, I'm pretty certain it okay. wasn't available on DVD. And so if you wanted to watch this movie, you had to go get a VHS copy of it. So um, I scoured eBay, bought one copy. The people who I bought it from, I think, sold it to somebody else. Like, oh, we're so sorry. So they refunded me like 150% of what mm -hmm. I paid. So I got like, nine dollars you know i only paid six yeah so and i think i found another copy for like i don't know i think eight or nine dollars so basically uh, same price i would have paid and yeah. i got it it became kind of like a very small thing in our in our group of friends that i had a copy of this movie and at one point i'm pretty sure it was if somebody brought me a blank dvd <laughs> i would i would i would give them a rip of it yeah, um, which, I think that's which how explains it, Rob's copy. Yeah, I think that's how I, I came around to own a version of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because basically, what was it? You could not get this anywhere. Like, this is not. It's funny. Um, again, in preparation for tonight's recording, I look. You can rent this off YouTube for like a dollar ninety nine. Oh God. And and yet, ten years ago, if you wanted a copy of this, you had to go find like a former rental copy on eBay. What a world it's become. <laughs> I know. All these damn kids. Like the good old days where you actually go hunting for physical media. You couldn't just sit there, <laughs> type something into the computer, and be there the at your fingertips. The thrill of the hunt. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that's kind of history behind this. And I don't, I think I was always in the circle of friends that we had, I was always the most amazed with this. Mm -hmm. um, excluding Rob for, for, for this conversation's sake. Um, most people <laughs> I, I, I got this. Uh, or, or I showed it to weren't like they're like oh it has its moments but meh which as I did research for this a lot of like online reviews I was like reading and watching most people say if it weren't for garbage day garbage day they like mo this would be a hundred percent a skip over movie oh I definitely don't agree with that I but... I absolutely don't agree with that because I think this movie is a uh, genuine cinematis masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I guess we're jumping ahead of things, but, but I guess with the history we have and that we've decided to talk about it, I guess it's kind of obvious that this is going to be a win for us. <laughs> There's going to be no bickering whether this is a cinematic or not. This is this is a uh, this is a slam dunk. Uh, if it weren't for elves, which kind of like came out of nowhere, yeah, this would really be kind of like the the perennial like Christmas favorite. I, I not to get too far into it, but I do think elves does etch this, like edge this out a little bit. Um, oh, I think in, in the frequency, I think elves has a higher frequency of things that you're just kind of absurdly baffled by. And that you oh, can definitely. just be like, Oh my God, my mind is blown. What is happening? I see silent night, deadly night part two as a little more of like, uh, 
like a sine curve. Like it goes up and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then it dips down and there's all this boring shit with children. And then it dips back up because someone's getting murdered. But then it dips back down because there's more boring, I think the drama stuff Zach mentioned before. And so I still feel though that this movie, I have enough to, to, to keep on, to latch on to. Like those kind of lulls in the funny, in the, in the gruesomeness, in the, the horror-esque aspects of this movie, you know, they're not too long and they're not too deep for me to get lost in them. So that's why I, I still do really like this movie. But I think, is that kind of a difference you're seeing, that Elves has that, like, higher frequency of stuff going on in it? Well, I still have to go back and, like, rewatch Elves, like, a few more hundred times. Like, I have all the <laughs> movies Rob tells me I have to watch on continuous loop. Elves might be the first time I actually try that. <laughs> um, I think I think I think with Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two, you can put this on and it's very easily accessible, like for an audience to get into it. Mm-hmm. Elves, like if you if you dump some, like I think even if you prepare someone for elves, I think there's gonna be a lot of just what. Huh? You're, yeah, you're turning a lot of people off when the old dude in the wheelchair slaps the main girl twice at the beginning. You're turning a lot of people off when I think the actual elf pops up. You're turning a lot of people off with the heavy on the <laughs> story. <laughs> Don't spoil the best part of the movie. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Stop ruining elves for people. Let them experience the the, 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 the roller coaster ride them for themselves. Rob. Zach's like, well, guys, we're done. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two is not happening. Rob ruined another episode we're not releasing. As we keep doing, time Rob mentions that there's. And else we have to basically scrap the entire episode that we've recorded. Oh, we yeah, gotta do something else now. That's just when uh, Zach he saves up enough episodes to call them the uh, the episodes that Rob ruined, and he releases them all as a series in you know late 2019. <laughs> yeah, but I think the issue with um, I don't think there's any issues with Silent Night Deadly Night. Yeah, Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two is that the parts from the first film, which I think Rob already alluded to is that they basically like the story behind this was the producers of the first film told the director of this, Mm -hmm. we want you to like take the footage and just re edit it into a new movie. Yeah, I did read that. And the director was like, how on earth can I do that? Like, how do I take (laughs) like, like like, uh, a through line narrative, butcher it and then make it coherent and get new. So he basically got a, a, a limited budget to like shoot some like wraparound stuff, which I think actually is like a way of like a sequel to a movie. This is a I, really clever premise. I agree that it is a good way to to lead into a sequel, but not for the first forty minutes of the movie. Oh, I, I absolutely disagree. Really? I've never, I've never seen the first one, and I don't have any inclination to ever do so because. I this this one gives you all the highlights you need. It gives you the the Gonzo Bafo or Bafo <laughs> wraparound story of Ricky. Yeah, like, I I guess you're I guess you're right, but I don't know. I, I just kind of feel I don't know almost disheartened by the fact that you know how does this make the creators of the first a lot of the same people right were the creators involved in the first no and idea. second movie. I, uh, well, at least the director, right? I don't think so. Oh. Is it? I thought it was. I thought we were saying that they asked the director to just, you know, take the old footage and rearrange it. Oh, unless you meant the second, for part two's director was the same director as the first one. I guess I don't know that either. <laughs> that's, what I mean. I, that, that's what I mean I don't know. Like, was okay. the same filmmaker for both both of these. The first film came out in 84, second one came out in 87. Okay, I guess then my, my point kind of still stands. How does the original filmmaker feel that this 
part two kind of made part one obsolete. I don't, I think the first one still has more of a following than the second one does. I think there are that's, more people out there that know Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> no, because like when the first one came out, like people like boycotted this. Um, it grow, it made money. Like there's there's stories of the fact that like there were like church groups protesting in front of theaters. Well, I mean, and, I, I, I don't doubt that this was successful when it came out originally, but I'm just thinking of you know imagine this series or franchise or whatever you want to call it. This starts and it has some popularity. And that popularity fluctuates over time. And then they release a movie that is basically a rehash of the first one for the first half of the movie. I know. I I would feel like everybody else who comes into this franchise from any point onward just wouldn't give a fuck about the first movie. They would just go to the second movie. And you're talking to him right now. Yeah, like that's how I did it. And so that's kind of why I'm baffled. It's like, why, why do people still like the first one? Because it is obsolete. That's crazy I don't, to me. I think they're two different movies. I think um, the first one is like supposed to be like a legit horror film. Okay. And this one is very much... Like, the first one's a slasher film. Mm-hmm. And this is listed as like a black comedy. Okay. Like, I think about it. This is more of a drama with like serial killer aspects in it than a slasher movie. Like excluding excluding the the the, the <laughs> archive footage from the first movie. I know, but that's my that's kind of my problem. I can't really separate that from this movie because but, it's literally the first half of what I sat down and watched every time I see this movie. But well, I when we all watched this in high school, and even it took me like years to figure out that there was another movie that this was based off of. I had no idea it was based off of the first movie in the sense that's, of that's true. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, and to this day, I really like. If somebody gave me a copy of the first one, I'd watch it. But I've never gone out of my way to watch, like to, to, to view it. It's like there's nothing the first one could give me that could uh, surpass what I get from this film. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't have, mean that in to... a sense of like because I think they are two different movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I think they are because this I enjoy this movie. I do not enjoy it the same way I enjoy Jason Goes to Hell. Sure. I enjoy this movie because it is just a, a gonzo experience from, like I was saying, from just the idea of reusing 30 minutes of archive footage from the first one to uh, Ricky in his uh, uh, eyebrow muscles of the gods. and His, and his just, facial like, expressions are superb. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. So, okay, who was the actor who played Ricky? Eric, Eric Caldwell, I think? Yeah, er- Eric Freeman. <clears throat> oh, Freeman, Eric, not Caldwell. Yes. Eric Freeman deserves an Oscar. I want that on record that if I were in charge of giving him an award or maybe like a lifetime achievement, <laughs> I would give that to him. I think I to the people who don't like this movie, I don't know how you can not walk away from this and say and not get your money's worth just from his facial expressions and just oh, yeah. oh my lord, cyborg level of of animating. It is it, it's unbelievable. Not just the facial expressions that he makes during certain scenes, but how quickly and fluidly he can, like, switch between them sometimes. Like, there's some scenes where he's gonna, like, he's getting angry at somebody, and it's like he has multiple different facial expressions in, in like, a matter of seconds. And they all are just conveying, like, just pure insanity and punishment. <laughs> I, I don't even, like... We get we have so much time with Ricky in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't feel I could 
adequately describe Ricky as a character. Okay. <laughs> like, like, it's weird. Like, he narrates the entire film. Yeah, I, I don't think I could describe the character to anybody if I had to. I really, it's like, describe Ricky. Um, Pissed his off brother, at red? He doesn't like the color red? <laughs> he doesn't like a lot of things, actually. Like, like very subtle <laughs> things. I, I, I guess, uh, other than just, like, describing scenes in the movie, I don't know how I could describe the character. That's a that's a really good point, and I guess that that you know leads us to the question of how do we want to discuss this movie? <laughs> well, I I think this is a like uh, this is one of those examples of if you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss stares into you. Yeah, because I, we've well, Rob's been aware of it just as much as, as long as I have. But I think I've definitely uh, um, uh, studied this more than he has. Mm-hmm. And every year as I watch this, I laugh just as much at it as I did the year before. Right. And I find that fascinating considering there is the law of diminishing return. Of course. Especially when it comes to like meta humor and like laughing at something because it's so bad. Because even like the first five minutes of this is the definition of padding the runtime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the orderly, the, right? The Dave Chappelle. Orderly comes in. Um, that scene is ridiculous when they, there's so many quick cuts between like incredibly close ups to their face, and he's just trying to plug the damn recorder in. And it's there's insane. no dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Like that's the thing about it, though is that like everything about this is is like I like it's weird. It's competently shot in the sense of like there's no like boom mic in frame. Or to be mm-hmm. fair, my copy's so dark I probably wouldn't see the boom mic. <laughs> I didn't see any. Okay, good. And like, it, like it's competently made, yet it's as if like a speak and spell made a movie. Like technically, it's fine, yet it feels very inorganic. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. I think some of the dialogue, some of the narration in particular, stood out to me to to feel very inorganic. I think probably a, lo- a big portion of that is the fact that like they had to craft a narrative yeah. around uh, the events of the first film. So I-, I do think there is a beyond like the meta. It's so bad. It's good. Like element of it. I do think there is some level of like cleverness to like, Oh, we were tasked with this. And if you look at the film, just at that level of crafting a movie mm-hmm. around the idea of something else that, that you had no control over. I yeah. think it does succeed because I do think it does create its own narrative. Yes, it gets a little rushed at the end with the whole thing with a mother superior. Mm-hmm. But I think the idea of having the bro- explaining the brother's role in this because you can do anything. Like I, again, I've not seen the first film. I don't know if there's any other characters you could sit there um, pull from to make a movie. Sure, I, I'm guessing Ricky's the easiest. It's the lowest hanging fruit of that sort of task. If you had to make another film from this. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes this movie so interesting is again, it seems like nobody, like Eric Freeman, obviously has not gone on to do much for an acting career. Yep. Uh, I remember at the time in 2008, uh, in like the IMDb trivia section and other places, people were trying to get a hold of Eric Freeman. No one could find him. <laughs> he was a missing, like, like people, like in this, like the like behind the scenes section on Wikipedia, it's like people, like, like, um, uh, uh, efforts to locate Eric Freeman have proved to be, uh, unsuccessful nice <laughs> That's so he awesome. basically dropped off the face of the earth like in the mid 2000s okay and but the thing about those that like you watch this and clearly anybody with half a brain in their head would realize eric freeman is ricky has to kind of reel it in a little bit yeah so the question then is 
was the director inept and just could not recognize what how hammy and over the top this guy was acting, or did the, did the director uh, become aware of this and figure, you know what, let's just keep it in and see what happens? Like, was everybody amused on set and just said, "Let's go with the flow." That's what I hope What's it was, and that's that's what I have to think it was. I would imagine that there, there's part of this director where it's like they made me, they're making me make this goddamn movie where half of it isn't even my footage. I would imagine there's some some level of you know cynicism, maybe not cynicism, but something that creeps in there for what you do get to shoot, and you have to find a way to spice it up, make it different from the stuff that you were forced to use. Oh, definitely, because there are scenes in this which. Like now that we have, like back in 2008 when there really wasn't any sort of like, oh my, like an industry of so bad it's good. Mm-hmm. You look at certain things like the movie theater sequence and you're like, oh, isn't this so like laughably bad? Yet <laughs> now we look back and be like, this seems a little too coordinated. Yeah. Like we have like the little like movie theater with like three rows of seats. We have Ricky just staring blankly at the screen as we sit there, hear like the machine guns and all the violence, sound effects. Yeah, and, it's, and the voiceover is just like, chaos, chaos. <laughs> he has like his, his mouth is hanging open. Oh, and, yeah. And, and the, he's wearing like a super tight yellow polo shirt. And like he's, he's like he's like completely entranced by this. And we have the guy in the back of the theater with his friend that looks embarrassed to be there, and I thought the friend looked like uh, like a like a I don't know like a young or a, a maybe a, a shorter Ike Barinholtz with a mustache. I really thought he looked like Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, I can get that. I can get that vibe from him. Uh, but you have that though. But then there are other inexplicable things in that sequence that you have between Ricky and his girlfriend, who has a name but I don't remember. And the guy in the back row, we have a couple, an adult couple watching the movie. Oh, yeah. They don't react to anything that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just looking ahead the whole time as they're not only in the theater hearing all of this, they're like literally being yelled at because they're sitting directly between the two loud parties. <laughs> exactly. And like you do have this like, like, there's no bickering, like there's no conversation between Ricky and the obnoxious um, movie patron in the back row. But there is stuff like again, he's going to kiss his his girlfriend, and the guy's like, "Yeah." And then you have that, and then Ricky just like just disappears to go. I don't know. As the guy, like that's the thing too. Like you have the whole sequence with like the guy, like the obnoxious guy goes, "Wow, this movie's really trash." He throws the pop, like, and the camera cuts <laughs> back. And I, yeah. It doesn't even cut back. It's like the camera moves. The camera like, like sways, like like shifts back and forth mm-hmm. um, without cutting. Oh, then, when he's talking to the friend, yeah, yeah. And then like like he like, like he says something to the friend. Like he leans over to the friend. The camera pans over. Then we pan back to the guys. He throws like popcorn in his mouth. Then we pan over to the friend again as he says something. Cut. Pan back to the guy again. Then we do it for the third time. And and obviously because the guy is like 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 leaning on his like elbow, mm-hmm. and we and the camera's lowered. And then we look, waiting for the guy, and we get Ricky. And, and, and then we have the very, very comical scene as the girlfriend's talking to her ex-boyfriend, Chip, as the, the, the patron, the obnoxious guy, is like being comically like dragged under yeah. the seats with this like foot and popcorn flying in the air. <laughs> Yet the couple in that middle row is now gone at that point. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a rule of three. This is a comedy scene. <laughs> yep, it's a rule of three comedy scene. And I, it's it's the movie theater sequence. I think might be the greatest or the 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 largest piece of evidence that we have that this was maybe intentionally supposed to be funny. Yeah, that's a Ye- that's a decent point. Yet I think the garbage day sequence, not not that one scene. But the entire sequence of Ricky walking down the street, electrocuting the boyfriend with the uh, mm-hmm. the, the bag, the battery, all the way till he goes to shoot himself. I think that entire sequence um, is unintentionally. It was w- w- that that was not meant to be funny at all. I don't think when they devised that scene, filmed it, okay. no one was laughing on set that day. Okay, I could. I mean, I could see that from the perspective of people who were trying to make a movie. About murder. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of things in this movie that are meant to be funny. Mm-hmm. Again, the movie theater, um, so, some of his facial expressions are meant to be over the top. Like, like maybe, yeah, maybe the correct yeah. thing is that instead of being funny, they're meant to be over the top. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, Eric Freeman didn't know how to reel that in. Yeah. He'll know the line between over the top and, and camp. Yeah, and I think this goes back to what I was saying about, uh, you know, how this is just, it, this whole movie kind of goes up and down for me, where you get those, you know, moments where it's like I'm laughing and then there's moments that whether they're intentionally funny or not uh, but then there's those moments where it's just not and that's kind of the lulls but it always comes back up yeah I think there are some lulls there's some points where you kind of like um, not that you check out but you kind of like kind of lean back a little bit but even like the parts like again we get Ricky in the very beginning flailing his eyebrows Mm -hmm. and then we get like again this is where we get a lot of the first movie footage but even in that we get some comical moments like, like the thing with the Santa on the side of the road with the gun, like, yeah. like that. That's okay. Maybe clearly that's not the intent, but I think that's hysterical. The fact that you have, um, like, I guess, like, I don't know if it's like a, a serial killer or a serial rapist <laughs> who on Christmas Eve is waiting on the side of the road just to ambush a family. Yeah, like, yeah. like I find that fascinating as a concept in a movie where a character is just waiting. Dressed like you could very easily shoot that. I, I know for the whole point of the film, he needs to be Santa, so Ricky has this pathological fear of mm-hmm. Santa Claus. But just the idea of having somebody like you could you could very easily have like they stop at a gas station, um, or they go to a mall and the mall <laughs> Santa like follows them home or something. Like there are yeah, so anywhere many... other than the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> which on leads Christmas me to be- Eve, which leads me to believe that at for the first film. They needed to. They needed that shot, and doing it anywhere else would have cost more money. And okay. considering to shoot it like in the middle of like an abandoned road at like two in the morning with two cars and like <laughs> five actors isn't hard to do. Definitely, that's a good point. So no, I, I also want to right. mention about that scene. One of the reasons that I find that scene so funny because I agree with you that it's it's not intended to be funny because you know it's straight up it's cold blooded murder. It's attempted rape. It's more murder. It's a more attempted murder of children. But the whole scene starts because it's Ricky's flashback. And the therapist or the whoever's psychiatrist that's interviewing him is like, like, can you tell me how it started or whatever? And Ricky's like, yeah, we were driving along on Christmas Eve trying to get to like a relative's house. And I don't know what made my dad stop. And then he pauses and goes, Actually, I do know what made them stop. <laughs> Billy told me everything later. And then goes on to explain the whole scene to the therapist. And I'm just like, holy shit, that's the most jarring introduction to a flashback I've ever heard. I don't know what made him stop. 
What's that? Hmm? Actually, I do know what made him stop. There it is again, see? There's something up there, all right. Do you see what I see? Billy was there. You think we should wake up Billy? Billy told me everything. Santa Claus! Looks like you get to see him tonight after all, Billy. Be like, how do you know what's going on? I don't. It's what I do. Ah! <laughs> it always just blows my mind. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, like most, a lot of this movie can be explained with. How does Ricky know this? Because he's either yeah. not there for it, or there was no time for uh, <laughs> Billy to tell him. Yeah, I love that we get like a flashback. Apparently, Ricky had a flashback of an event that he had no part in. When it had no time when, to be told what what happened yeah, during it. Yeah, when it was, uh, the one I'm thinking of is when like the cops see a Santa climbing into a window, so they burst into the house and they're like going to shoot him. But it turns out it's just like the family's dad pretending to be Santa for the daughter. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, he's not here. How would he know this? Nobody's there. That's part of the story. So and there's and there's like shit in the orphanage that he's nowhere near. With, and like stuff in the nun. Well, the uh, I think. Uh, some, it's just crazy to me. I, I love it. <laughs> but the thing about that, though, is that, like, I, as I watched reviews for this, a lot of people bring that up, and it's like, okay, but that's not being done out of, like, ineptness. That's that's the producers telling the director, oh, we oh, yeah. want these scenes in the movie, figure it out. That's, yeah. That's the thing, though, is that, like, people will attack this movie for moments like that, and it's like, that's not fair though because that that was somebody having a gun pointed to their head being told you better make this work or else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like those are the things that nobody should be like nitpicking this movie for because i know that's another one too it's like oh why did they show the the scene of the two boys going down like the hill on the sled or like the yeah. boys taking their sleighs away yeah and it's like yep. oh how would how would uh, uh billy know that it's like does a goddamn matter like, like they're setting no, up that. Scene. No, it it doesn't. I yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, like that's the weird thing. Like it's funny because like as like because they just released the Blu-ray like we said earlier. Mm-hmm. And, like even like on my Blu-ray forums, I look at this and there are so many people commenting in, in like the thread, like why are they releasing this crap on Blu-ray? Why aren't they prioritizing <laughs> X, Y, and Z instead? Like there are a lot of people that that, that just do not like this. Like there, mm-hmm. I know that I would say the first one has more of a fan. I remember when they announced the first one on Blu-ray. I think that was like last year maybe or the year before. Okay. And I'm like, why are they? Do- I got excited. I'm like, oh, cool. And then it's like, oh, it's the first one. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about the first one. Um, I, I think <laughs> oddly, a lot of people have. I don't think there's that many people that have have uh, affinity for this. I really, um, I, like like we've said before, it's a meme or yeah. it was a meme. I, I don't think this has been relevant for a long time. I think I've seen it maybe two or three times in the last five years. <laughs> yeah, it it shows up, but more, now that it shows up more in connection to the film itself. Yeah, as yeah, opposed to like its own point. standalone thing. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the film itself, I, I like the Ricky stuff. Um, I don't. I I really can't tell what what he's trying to do or what the goal was. I know on the new Blu-ray there are interviews with Eric Freeman. Okay, I, cool. I'm ex- I'm excited to like to one day. I I've not bought the Blu-ray mm-hmm. to to watch those. But at the same time, like that's always been a fun thing with this movie is that there's really no written record about it. Yeah. It's just out there, it just kind of exists. Yeah, your imagination can do all the fun work for you. <laughs> exactly. Like we're about to do this episode. I'm just imagining <laughs> all the, the, the gonzo things that happened. But like you, you watch this movie 
and you, for the sake of argument, the, some of the some of the Billy stuff is funny. Like um, oh oh I, oh absolutely. <laughs> so like like one of the Billy moments I've always loved is the fact of like he gets like what he has like the picture like he draws the picture of, of like what Santa Claus dying or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Santa Claus has like multiple knives in his body, and there's a reindeer, a decapitated reindeer. <laughs> I don't next, know what next that to a is. Christmas tree. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is because my copy's like so bad and get I, it doesn't give me a shot to look at that. <laughs> All I know is it's a bad picture. I, I'm guessing it's around. It's about Christmas. Uh, uh, but and then he gets like like the other like uh, the nun comes out and like lets him have his room. And as he's like heading downstairs, he sees the couple having sex, which really doesn't make sense because I don't know why there's like adults having sex in an orphanage. I don't understand that either because to me one thing. It implies that they are actually, like, I don't know, people living at the orphanage? So we're viewing underage sex, which is no good? Yeah, that's what I mean. But, yeah, yeah. then at the other side the other side of the or the alternate uh, theory would be that they're just adults who are like, oh, yeah, the orphanage is a great place to fuck. No matter what scenario, um, I don't think one is any better than the other, but Definitely. maybe, maybe the, the other- non-underage is slightly better, but not by much. <laughs> I think we'll have to ask R. Kelly when we get him on here. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, so the sex in the orphanage. Well, I've always found funny about love, that part. I love that we just said that very many times in quick Yeah, sex in the orphanage. Sex That's the a orphanage. thing that happens in the series. <laughs> um, is that, like, he sees it through the keyhole. We obviously see some boob. And uh, Mother Superior comes in, and her just like like she sees two again. We don't like, maybe there's an explanation in the first film. Maybe they'll, maybe they're like caretakers or, or, oh, or yeah, babysitters. Who knows? Nice. But I like that she sees two people having sex, and her knee jerk reaction is take the belt out of the man's pants, fold it into a, a whip, <laughs> and then sit there start pelting them. Oh, yeah, like straight, like, lashing them. Not even spanking, lashing them. Lashing them while they were moments prior in the moments of, uh, or in the process of coitus. Oh, yeah. I find that, like, that is, like, again, to be fair, the filmmakers of part two had no involvement with that. Mm-hmm. But that is a, a hilarious, hilarious <laughs> moment. Oh, yeah, it, it really comes out of nowhere of the things that, you know, we could lead to. Oh, you know, I guess they needed to see in the first movie, I would imagine the whole, you know, Billy seeing someone having sex and he thinks that's a bad thing with the nun stuff. Um, but in this, it more kind of leads up to, cause I think the next scene, uh, the nun wants to go punish Billy for some nun reason. And there's a scene with Ricky where some kids like Ricky, your brother's a nutcase. And Ricky's like, no, he's not. And so there's, that makes some sense that there's a little flashback of him and his brother in there. Oh yeah, no, there are like that's the cleverness of this is that there are things that tie they that tie them together so well to the point where I think if you didn't know this was part two, you wouldn't know that there was a prior film in this series. Like if someone just said, Oh, yeah. here's here's Silent Night, Deadly Night, and that you and you end up a part two, it wouldn't be like, Oh, it's kinda like um Friday the thirteenth. It's like you don't need to see the first one to explain what goes yeah, on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the sex in the orphanage, again, <laughs> great, great moment. If you like pina coladas, <laughs> having sex in the orphanage. 
Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's even the third album for uh, Inspiriority <laughs> Complex. Yeah, the cover album, definitely. <laughs> With some artistic license, you know? Yes. Um, after that, it's I like... Think the, real- I think the next scene... Is this when... Because it's in my notes. I might be missing one or two, but it's still a Billy flashback. I absolutely love the scene where... Uh, Mother Superior is just like I could care I could not care less about how much this child is freaking the fuck out about Santa Claus I'm going to literally like lift him up and put him in Santa Claus's arms I'm like that that is such a terrible scene to watch because the nun like the kid is wailing it's it's hardcore but then this like eight year old kid just knocks Santa out, like straight yep. up knocks him out of the chair, onto the floor. This kid is so goddamn strong. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's another good moment. Because it, it kind of comes out, because you don't expect him, um, like how we're usually like set up for a Christmas scene with a kid who's being like, uh, who's crying, yeah. with Santa's laugh and all that. You usually get crying and then something, either he pees in the, on Santa's lap or whatever the normal trope is. Very rarely do you get a shot of the kid clocking Santa. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, that, it's, that, that's like, a solid, it, it's a very small moment, but it is, um, it's good. Yep. And then I think, I think that's when we get our pretty major transition to the serial killer parts of the flashbacks. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, it's the Christmas party. That's because then it, because it, it cuts to it's like oh when he was eighteen. Like Ricky goes oh when Billy yeah, turned eighteen yeah, he got forced out. Yeah, he's like Mother Superior got him a job, and then it's like um it's he's at the toy store. Yep, and they're like you were born to wear this kid, and it's like and he's sitting there and it's like a uh, very oh yeah this is got, so Mother Superior forced him into Santa's arms after seeing the gruesome pictures of Santa the kid drew, and then years later gets him a job as a Santa. You know, let's assume there was at least one other Santa-related abuse thing in there in the years we didn't get to see of Billy's childhood. This is this is just straight up like criminal negligence at this point. Like I think she's legally liable for the murders. And so, and, and like, uh, like it seems like she set this one up. Why else do you think that the orphanage was shut down? <laughs> I almost choked on my drink sack. <laughs> No, I, I, yes, that that is another unintentionally funny part of this, where it's like, oh, he ends up as Santa, ha 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 ha, and as he's there and like, they're bringing the kids to sit on his lap, and he starts like threatening them. Yes, when the little girl's crying and Santa's like, you have to be nice. I don't bring presents to people who are naughty. You know, I was just expecting after, like, ah. Oh, can I spoil elves? Zach will bleep this out. I'm expecting a little girl to cry, and the bad Santa's like, Santa said oral. <laughs> well, for the record, as I was watching that scene, all I was doing is screaming that over the television. <laughs> I, from now is on... Any... Isn't there that YouTube channel that like mixes audio and video from different movies or something? I could totally see them doing that for this. I want it on record that for every single time, whether it be on TV or in real life, I see someone sitting on Santa's lap. It will be the (laughs) moment from elves playing in my mind. Oral. What? Santa said oral. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, man. The, the, The ongoing legacy of elves. 
Um, I'm pretty sure Rob can agree with me that at one point in Cinemonides, we're going to be having a Clash of the Titans series where we take the the <laughs> the uh, uh, um, the masterpieces, the Eraserhead, the Elves, and they're going to have a, a cage fight to the death, like a head like head to head tournament. Yes, we are going. Okay. It's going to be Clash of the Titans, where it's going to be taking these these champions of Cinemonides and petting eh, petting them against each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, in all honesty, I think elves could give a racer head a, a solid run for its money. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I, I think if there ever was a film that could sit there, kind of be a dark horse to a racer head from claiming the Cinematis crown, like that's how powerful and potent <laughs> elves is. Like <laughs> elves is one of those movies, like you watch, it, much like a racer head, you watch it, you don't think much of it at the time. Then, like the days or. The minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the months go by, <laughs> and you just can't stop thinking about it. I, I like that tournament idea. That's something we'll have to consider. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of very happy about the fact that uh, we've now added yet another clip to the Cinemodities kind of, you know, sound bank that is related to uh, mouth sexual activities. <laughs> we got the Hummer <laughs> clip from Claus, and now we got Santa said oral. <laughs> How you like me now, Jeff? Not much better. What if we add a hummer? Who is weep? I got this. Watch the front counter. San, uh, Santa said oral is going to be my ringtone for Rob when he calls me. <laughs> you got to leave the hey kids in there, though. <laughs> so it says, hey kids, Santa said oral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I might dear. want that to be my ringtone. That's good. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, so we have the part when he's Ricky. Or I'm sorry, uh, Billy is talking to the kids of Santa, and then we cut to the parents like he's so good with children. Oh, and yeah, he's threatening. We, we cut. Be quiet. <laughs> and you go back to him threatening the kids. Mm -hmm. um, next thing we know, it's an after-hours Christmas party, and what people are getting drunk. The owner. The, I don't know if it's the owner's wife or assistant or co-manager is there. I don't, know, I don't know who she is, but I have to give a shout-out. She was apparently drunk at this party, and she had, like, the facilities to set up a trap for Billy and, like, get his axe from him. I was like, whoa, good for you, drunk lady. <laughs> I really did like that part where she, where she like, because she puts her hat on a pile of boxes and he swings the axe and she knocks other boxes on him or something, and I was yeah. I was just... I was like, round of applause, round of applause. It's not every day you see that in movies. <laughs> well, she does a lot better than the two teenagers that are like screwing around in the back. Oh, yeah. So we do have to mention this, Zach, because we get a scene where things get a little rapey, right? <laughs> and that's a good way to put it. Things a get a little rapey. rapey. Things get a little rapey. And Billy doesn't like this or Santa, whoever he thinks he is at this point. And he kills the guy. And immediately the girl's like, why did you do that? I hate you. Why'd you kill him? All that type of stuff. Uh, not to jump too far ahead, but basically the same scene happens with Ricky later, where we get a rapey scene and he kills the man. That girl's like, thank you. <laughs> I love That's the juxtaposition that one of the women is like, attempted rape and murder are not morally equal. But then the other one is like, oh, they're 100% morally equal. Like that's a, that's a very very different stance in such a short distance in this movie. Oh, definitely. I think that's what makes the um, the comedic aspect of part two all the more interesting. Okay, is okay. that you do have the point where like okay, this this woman is clearly about to be uh, raped 
by this guy who's intoxicated. And um, obviously Billy prevents this. And she's like, what did you do? And then I think it's just weird that in the second one, it's just, oh, and like Rob said, it's not even the fact that the, um, the, the, the Ricky woman is like fine with it. She's like, like she almost like silently mouse. Thank you to him. Yeah. Yeah. And she walks away. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, cause it's not even like, cause the first guy, I think there's a hundred percent chance he gone rape. Oh, oh yeah. Second guy like puts the moves on his girlfriend, gets rejected because she even like, he's like, you know, you want it, baby. She's like, I do want it, just not right now. <laughs> I can hear like her best lifetime movie voice ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like he's like, screw this, I'm getting a beer. And he goes to like get a beer. Ricky's in the car, like runs him over like three or four times, and. It's it's this strange thing because she did she's like because I, I forgot the second guy like rips like one of like what the buttons off her blouse mm-hmm. and she's like holding like holding her shirt together and she's like yeah that's one of you. the like one of the like things that triggers these brothers you know it's even Ricky at that point but I, I think there's like a little flashback of the mother getting killed with her shirt ripped yeah up, right yeah yeah because that's the thing too says so he sees in the second one that her shirt well both of them get their shirts ripped one a little bit more pronounced the second one not so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but clearly the only two well yeah but the funny. first. The first one is Billy, and the second one is Ricky. Yeah, but the first one, like, like in the in the toy shop, she gets her blouse like completely just split down the middle, mm-hmm. and the other one kind of just gets like, like a button or two like torn off. Okay, okay, okay. I'm pretty sure if these two guys never saw Santa Claus or any attempted rape, they would have been fine their entire lives. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure. Like, really, you think about it, that's the only two things that set them off. Yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like even like think about Billy. Like Billy's dressed as Santa Claus and seems fine for the most part. He doesn't really honestly snap until he sees until the attempted the, rape. The sex stuff, yeah. And I guess that was kind of more of his arc because you know we get the like I said before the nun with the sex in the orphanage. <laughs> like, yeah, I like, clearly that was naughty. That was a very naughty thing, and I have to spank you because they were naughty also. Well, that's the weird thing, though, is that, like, there is that, like, double emphasis in the part one footage of, like, oh, Billy sees his mother being raped, mm-hmm. then he sees the two kids being punished, so he's obviously connected, obviously the whole point that's, like, oh, sex is bad. And yet, with Ricky, Ricky's not old enough to see his mother being raped, yep. and he has no background of teenagers having sex, like, in that being, like, wrong. Yeah, he only has the Santa thing because there's that scene in the flashbacks where, like, a, someone in a Santa suit is walking up to Ricky as like a kid in the orphanage, and there's a police officer who's just like, "I'm gonna shoot you, Santa," and shoots him dead on the spot. Yeah. And it turns out that it was not Billy. So yeah, his Ricky's motivation was more of like, "Oh, I thought this was my brother," because that's what he did for work. And then Santa got killed. And then oh, that's. That's something else we should mention. In the in the flashbacks of the first movie, did these kids in the orphanage literally see two people dressed as Santa get shot in one day? Like the janitor and then Billy? Like, does that happen in the same day? I think so. I think it does too, because it's like the uh, the uh, the cop shows up, he shoots the janitor, who's deaf apparently. That's why he didn't like hear the cop, and so he shoots the janitor. The cops like Oh, I'm sorry I shot the janitor, but uh, there is a killer on the loose. And I'm like, no small town cop gets away with that shit, right? <laughs> like just murdering someone in front of an orphanage. But then the cop explores the orphanage, and he gets killed by Billy. So then yeah. Billy's there, 
and then Billy gets into the house. Yeah, it, it has to be. It has to be no more than an hour apart. <laughs> Pretty close. There should be a movie where literally every child in this orphanage teams up and goes on a killing spree dressed as Santa because they've all been traumatized. Well, I think the thing is that um, Ricky is traumatized by the fact that it was his brother being killed. So you think you need that little extra step? Like just seeing two Santas get shot in one day when you live in an orphanage wouldn't be enough? <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it is that, that, that sort of uh, uh, family connection that really sets. Like that's the weird thing with this. Like uh, Billy makes sense for going – like it's set up properly as to why he snaps. Yes. Um, Ricky only beca- – like Ricky is written as a serial killer. Oh, like, yeah. like it, it's a fait accompli. Obviously, the, the film begins with him in the the uh, criminal insane asylum because they say he's only like eighteen, and yet this is what the thirteenth psychiatrist he's had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Calls him lucky number thirteen, Doctor Bloom. So it's like, okay, how? I I, I don't know. I I really have because it's because that's the weird thing about this is that okay. Um, when we start, we, we move away from part one footage. We see that Ricky was adopted by a Jewish family, mm-hmm. which he makes a fantastic joke about, like the why the Rubensteins don't <laughs> celebrate Christmas. Yep. And like we see stuff like like he's with his like stepmother. Um, doesn't he have an issue? Oh yeah, because because he's with the um, he sees the two uh, nuns on what the the street corner, and he yeah, starts just, like, like a freak out from shop to shop. Yeah, and the mother the mother could not care less. Until she's like ready to leave and, and the kid doesn't want to move. And then she's like, okay, what's wrong with you now? <laughs> and then, because that's the thing that's interesting about this is that if you don't, like, considering that like all of Ricky's backstory along with Billy's is shot in the same kind of like increment burst mm-hmm. of about like three to four minutes per like little story. Again, that's another reason why it's really kind of hard to notice that this is, this is taking recycled footage yeah. because the new stuff is positioned in the film just like the flashbacks or like the part one footage is. Yeah, yeah. So they they tried to make it meld a little better than, you know, because it really isn't that jarring because you have to know kind of where the first movie ends. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like I said, there there is, like when it comes to blending the the first movie's content with new content, I think they do an excellent job at that. I think they probably actually deserve a lot of credit. Yep. Um, it's just yeah. The, that this is uh, probably the one of the best ways to do it. I like I said, this is crazy to me. I've never seen this. I think in anything or yeah, to this extent, I mean. there is something like groundbreaking to all this. Like like uh, new and old footage integration, mm-hmm. a plus. Yeah, I think content of new footage, uh, uh, discretion. Like it's like up to the discretion of the person that's watching it. <laughs> sure. It's kind of like, oh, like the you're like me, you're giving it a plus. But if you aren't so initiated, it's like, oh, there there is a decline because it becomes a very different movie in the second half. Oh, oh, absolutely. Except yeah. for the last five minutes. Yeah, when they try and tie everything back together. <laughs> yeah, well, it basically becomes the ending of the first movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So again, we have the scenes where Ricky's growing up. We got to the point where he runs over the the, the, the kind of most likely rapey guy, and then like because we have how many actors play Billy? And I'm sorry, how many people play Ricky in this movie? We I have think it's ba- three, right? We have Babe. Well, counting the part one footage, we have oh, Baby okay. Ricky. Oh, we have like Orphanage Ricky. Mm-hmm. We have um, 
Oh God! Um, like part one orphanage, Ricky. Part yeah. two orphanage, Ricky. Um, runs over the rapey guy, Ricky, and then Eric Freeman, <laughs> oh, Ricky. There's like five <laughs> actors that play yeah. Ricky in this I movie. Yeah, damn, I damn. So uh, it's yeah, like I said, uh, the the rape uh, the guy who uh, the Ricky that runs over the rapist is not Eric Freeman. Then we get to the fact he becomes like a what a, a greaser. Yeah, what, yeah, like a he, preppy greaser. Yeah, he be- tries. To, uh, I don't. It doesn't make sense why, but he becomes like the tough guy biker. But he maintains that you know tight yellow edge. polo shirt on his dates. Yeah, <laughs> because like how we're introduced to him in the flashbacks is that like he's what he's working at the diner or the restaurant because his mother, his stepmother, couldn't send him to college because his stepfather died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he got the job. Yep. Which is weird that why they had to kill the stepfather. Because like it's weird like there's moments in this like considering how oddly cyborg esque Ricky is portrayed in this by Eric mm. Freeman, they have the moment where like oh my stepfather died and I actually cared. Yeah, yeah. Like it's weird they're they're trying to humanize him, but they're doing it through dialogue, not through actions or showing us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they're really trying to make this last thread to his humanity nearly invisible <laughs> exactly but my question is do they make that solely verbal because it's easier in the sense of like it's easy like that's the reason why like any sort of narration mm-hmm. narration is there to make things easier yeah is it done for that reason or was it done because oh crap eric freeman can't act Ah. <laughs> uh. That could have been the case. Maybe they really only had him for the over-the-top murder stuff. Because they, there is the one shot of, of what is it, uh, Rapey Rick, or uh, the rapist runner over Ricky, who is, who's in the, the, the graveyard with the, with the stepmother. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Because that's another weird thing, too, is that like, mm. we see him, like, again, he, Eric Freeman, Ricky, comes out of the restaurant, he sees like some lone shark with the person who borrowed the money and the loan shark yeah. like threatening him saying like, I hope you don't like have the money so I can kill you. And like Ricky comes out doing his, his cyborg stoic gimmick. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you call you call, and, and, and the guy's like, I think the guy's name is like Rocco. The loan yeah. Shark. Rocco. Rocco, yeah. the loan, loan shark's like scram buddy. And like Ricky impales him on an umbrella. Yep. Yep. He, he sticks it so far through this guy's body that he can open it. On the other side of his body. <laughs> and yet somehow has like superhuman strength to like keep him off the ground enough that he could impale him. Yeah, I think this this family just has like traumatic strength abilities, you know? Because remember the, really? the, the eight-year-old kid, Billy, he punched out Santa. That's some super strength. <laughs> now he got- hung, what? He hung the, the rapey guy in the toy store with the Christmas lights, right? Yeah, yeah. He's strong during – they're both strong. During their sprees, for sure. I think they have a superpower. Well, I don't even think Ricky's not even strong during the spree because he does it to Rock of the Lone Shark. Because that's he doesn't kill anybody again until the uh, garbage day spree. Okay, so maybe he just has to use his strength there because he doesn't have a gun. Maybe I could see that as I could see that as something he would do. He just has that urge to murder, has to get it out. The thing that I, the thing, do you remember in that scene when Rocco, like, one of the things that sets Ricky off, because he watched Rocco, he watches Rocco beating the guy up who owes him money, and then Rocco, like, turns around, he pulls out the bright red handkerchief and, like, wipes his whole face with it, 
And that's when Ricky's like, oh, you got the red, you know, and I don't handle the oh, red. Oh, okay. That, okay. So, so the color red just perpetually sets him off. So that's okay. Yeah, but, but here's, here's my thing, is that when Ricky first leaves the restaurant, goes into the alleyway to throw the trash out, and he sees these two people fighting, literally the only information he gets at the start is that the shorter dude did not pay his debt and he was wearing red pants. Why didn't Ricky murder him eventually, like immediately? Be like, you were naughty because you didn't pay your debt. The two people had not fought yet, and he saw red. Why does he kill? Why does he kill the other dude first? I, 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 I think in Ricky's uh, uh, mind, I think it's the fact that somebody he doesn't like bullies. That's that is true. We even have Billy didn't like the bullies with the sled stuff in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I could see that, but I, I just I, I would imagine. I would enjoy that scene even more if Ricky comes outside. These two people are having a heated argument. He just murders one of them. The other dude's like, thanks, man. I was going to do that myself. Or I guess for the character, he says, oh, why'd you have to do that? I wanted to murder him. Pulls out his red handkerchief, gets murdered as well. That's what I think I would have (laughs) liked. Well, I think that's the weird thing. It's like they're trying to, like, humanize these the character of Ricky and I don't think like it's like they're trying to humanize him though, but they don't know how, mm-hmm. or they're not even aware. Like I don't know though, because like it's there, like they're deliberately trying to humanize him, but why is the question? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why do we have to humanize? It's again. Is there ever a point in a slasher film where we humanize the uh, <laughs> the, 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 the the titular serial killer? It's <laughs> it, it, it's weird because like there's only a handful of movies where that actually happens effectively, like something like Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Where we humanize the, the the character, that's the monster. And with this though, it's like oh, like he spares like he he spares the guy, but it seems more that he just enjoys killing a bad person. Okay, okay, I could see that for sure. Because he, he hasn't they, really gotten into that mode of just full on, you know, serial killer. Well, status. he doesn't really snap until he kills the girlfriend. Yeah, and and like. Everything is red around him. <laughs> well, yeah, the red car, the fact because because you have the scene where again he's backing out uh, after he kills Rocco the, the loan shark. We then mm-hmm. see him backing out of the the parking space in his motorcycle. the The girl almost hits him. Yep. he has he has the face on, and then that's the that's one emotion. That's the one time he's able to act in all this <laughs> is that he's instructed that when he sees the girl turn the face off that he's had for the entire movie so yeah. far. And he has the he he has the hots for her. And there's another weird thing that's in the movie is that um, uh, he has the what he, he gets hit, he gets almost run over. And do, do they have a date? Like, do they have a date, or is it straight to sex? I think it, I'm pretty sure it's straight to sex, and then the movie theater scene. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> in the, uh, uh, the 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 post coitus narration by him, he's like, "This was my first time." And I thought it was hers, too. And then, yeah, then the movie theater where the ex-boyfriend shows up. Yep. Yeah, and the thing is that Ricky doesn't seem too bothered by Chip, the ex-boyfriend, showing up. Mm -hmm. And yet we go to the point where with the red car and Chip's fixing the car. And that seems to set him off, again, between the red car and the comment comment Chip makes, yeah, and like, yeah, it's weird. Like, at what point in Ricky's thing is that he needs to be the, like, uh, I don't know. That that's a really weird yeah. aspect of the. Like, you're at like obviously Ricky has some level of I guess um, 
sexual frustration because of what mm-hmm. happened or, or or mental uh issue with the mother even though he doesn't remember that at all yeah I mean, that would make more sense for billy maybe yeah yeah definitely but not for Ricky, because even before the like, well, the very beginning of the the garbage day sequence, mm-hmm. where he's walking with the girlfriend, he's not doing the voice in the face. It's not until yeah. they meet Chip that he starts to do the the face and the voice again. Mm-hmm. And and okay, so, so now do we want to get into the the greatest uh, <laughs> sequence in cinematic history? <laughs> I guess we have to, right? Well, I guess one thing before we get to that is mm-hmm. in the movie theater with the obnoxious guy, does he kill him? I don't think we get to see it, but I, I think it's implied. It is implied, you think? I w- yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Okay. Because I was curious thing- about that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I rewatch this to show it to somebody, I'll have to keep an eye out. <laughs> All right, good. The other thing yes. I wanted to mention is um, we when we fade from the uh, the second rape killer scene – and it goes back to Ricky talking to the psychiatrist because that's that's a flashback. Oh yeah, the psychiatrist gets killed. The psychiatrist is like I don't know daydreaming and writing red car in his notebook in really big letters. And Ricky like puts his face right up next to him and he like spooks him and he goes red car. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I really really like the the way he delivers that. <laughs> red car. Good point. Well, that's again. That's the brilliant. Again, that's the. Those are the parts in this where, uh, intentional or not, Eric Freeman is batting batting it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, and, he conveys that that insanity of someone who has the thirteenth psych, their thirteenth psychiatrist. Yep. But that's what I mean, though, is that like this? Like, I guess this is Eric Freeman's version of insanity. I, I, that's the only thing I can I can say, though. <laughs> but the problem, though, is that, like, from the very first time we see him in a flashback, he's insane. Like, he's doing that from the very first moment. He's basically just a powder keg that's waiting for a spark. Exactly. And the problem is that he, he, he goes off, like, in with Rocco, the loan shark, and he goes back to being fine. Yeah, yeah. So he has where, he has that kind of you know on off switch to some extent. Yeah, like to the point where he's like where Billy just kind of snaps and then goes all in. Yeah, Ricky can very clearly turn it off and on. Mm-hmm. Yet oddly enough, can only turn it off and on in front of the pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> because like 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 you said, we have the part with the the psychiatrist. And when he's explaining to him the, uh, the the running the guy over thing, he he prefaces that flashback with, "Oh, you're really gonna like this one, Doc." Yeah. Yep. And then, like when that that flashback ends, the doctor therapist is like sweating profusely. It's like this 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 wasn't any of the notes. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Oh my god, this person murdered at least one other person I didn't know about. Why didn't I assume this from the beginning?" <laughs> That again, and that's weird considering that you think after thirteen psychiatrists, Ricky would have kind of uh, spilled the beans on this at one point. But do you think there are twelve other movies in the making that are him talking to the twelve other psychiatrists and giving them each different murder stories? We can only hope each one of those twelve films begins with the Dave Chappelle quarterly <laughs> setting up the the tape recorder. <laughs> that's going to be the um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Holiday Special, Variety Hour. Just yeah, scenes boy, of, scenes of Ricky killing people. <laughs> Oh, even more murders. Um, but no, getting to uh, 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 Garbage Day, um, without breaking this down piece by piece, I think I am confident in saying that you could write 
Like, I want to do what James Franco did with the room, the making of the room, <laughs> but just this sequence of, of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. That would be really cool. <laughs> I want to make a movie where I direct, write, and star as Eric Freeman in the making of this <laughs> sequence of Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> I, you have no idea. That'd I really think awesome. this sequence in the film... From the moment we see Ricky and his girlfriend walking down the street to the point where he puts the gun to his head and we cut back to the flashback, I think that sequence, which is what, eight minutes long, maybe? Yeah, that, that's probably a an, uh, an overestimate, I would say. Yeah, it's not long. It's not. It's not double digit. Double digits. Mm-hmm. I think that sequence you could you everything you need to learn on how to make movies. You can learn what not to do from watching that sequence. So where do, so you're, this sequence starts with the death of Chip for you, or does it start no, after with, the, with the security guard? No, it starts with Ricky walking down the street with the girlfriend. Oh, okay. Before okay. they encounter Chip. Oh, okay, and it right. Ends on. at the moment with him with the gun to his head, and we cut in back. front of the police officers. Yes, and it, okay. it, right before us, we cut back to where he's in the inter- in the I don't want to call it interrogation room, but I guess the meeting room. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that that specific time frame. There, everything you could not ask for greater visceral cinema. You have everything oh, yeah. from jealous lovers to a police <laughs> murder to a, a quite car- a quite incompetent police murder. <laughs> yes, an incompetent police person who gets shot the most the most clean <laughs> shot to the head ever. And then the next dude, the next dude who runs out of his house like. Like a full 20 seconds or 30 seconds after gunshots and yelling have occurred and goes, what's all this noise out here? <laughs> it's like he, he like heard noise, looked out the window, waited or like got his shoes on or something and then ran outside. <laughs> well, OK, I, I don't want to break this down, but I feel I might have to. <laughs> Is that the scene, be- the sequence begins with Ricky and his girlfriend walking outside. Mm-hmm. They just casually bump into Chip. I also like. We don't know where this movie takes place, do we? Do we know where this takes place? Is there a city state? Uh, the the second rapey dude was drinking Tecate beer. I don't know if you picked up on that. No. Uh, that's a southern beer, to my knowledge. Rob, Rob, this is like I'm watching this in like like one forty forty. I'm trying to give you answers, quality. Zach. I'm trying to give you answers. <laughs> Rob's like Zach. Did you watch? Did you notice this small detail <laughs> on your blurry VHS copy of the film? <laughs> no, Rob. I did not CRT monitor. This was black most of the time. Um, the Gremlins no, got it there on that scene. <laughs> well, okay. So that's so. But there's no like. There's no mention in the film, right? Like, oh, this is like Topeka, Kansas. Like, I get yeah, a I feeling this is like Midwest. I don't think we get any in any indication. Uh, at least any. Uh, dialogue indication or anything that we can clearly see like it's not on the name of the orphanage or anything like that okay because we it is snowing or we do see snow on the ground so we can mm. so i i don't know because i know at one point like it, this this does have like a midwest feel to it like again like like a kansas yeah. or a missouri or an oklahoma and if you look in one of the shots is the, like the, the camera is like um at a low angle angle panning up at Ricky and his girlfriend, and you can see in the background like the towering like palm trees oh, of like okay. Los Angeles. 
That's what it looks like. <laughs> I didn't I pick up I'll, on that. Okay. <laughs> it's it's very it's funny. Even though I have a blurry 144p uh, quality video, I definitely you can you can see the palm trees that tower over all the other trees. <laughs> and so you, you, he, okay, Ricky's with his girlfriend. They approach Chip, who's fixing his car. Um, Chip starts making sexual advances toward the girlfriend of. Ricky intervenes and starts making comments about how Ricky's girlfriend's basically a, a slut, basically, yep. and how she did all the things in the backseat. And what does he say, Rob, as I, I, I blanked her an old red back here? That's what she said when I fucked her brains out in the backseat of old red here. Oh, yeah, old red back here. And it's like, thank God they let the audience know the car was red as well. Like, the ones who couldn't see it. Maybe you had your eyes closed when they walked up to it and saw it the first time. But thankfully, he tells us. <laughs> so Ricky can get pissed. So at this point, um, Ricky's girlfriend kind of, like, charges at them to break them apart from each other. She falls very comically, like, into the grass. Where yeah, he it's, knows like, it's like they do uh, one of those matador things where it's, they, like... They they part ways to let her run through and fall down just in time, you know. <laughs> Which is <laughs> like really they, interesting. They pull the curtain away at the last moment. And if you look at the geography of that scene, she would hit the sidewalk before she hit the grass because if you look, there's a <laughs> oh, sidewalk yeah. there, and she's like, again, completely on the grass, right? Oh yeah, firmly. Like she falls into the middle of like a meadow almost. That's when the dude should have came out of the house and been like, "Why are you on my lawn?" <laughs> there you go. But. At this point, Ricky pushes Chip toward the car, takes one of the battery clamps out, puts it in uh, Chip's mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't know what he hooks it up to in his mouth. And, like, what, what do you guys do? Find like, a really big molar or something and like I try to help it? I was guessing the tongue. Oh, really? I don't know. He puts it like down his throat. Almost. He does. He really jams it in there. But I've just like I guess yeah. The tongue's the only thing that makes sense to. Well, maybe he's going for the uvula. <laughs> no, that maybe cool. he's really reaching back there. <laughs> So he uh, turns the battery on, and the electrical current like shatters Chip's eyes and his sunglasses because of how strong it is. Yep, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that would actually happen if you were electrocuted through your mouth, but I would imagine other parts of your body would explode too. <laughs> Not somebody just your called eyes. The myth. Somebody called the MythBusters up. We have a myth that needs busting. Um, <laughs> after this, after this moment, very similarly to what happens in the toy store earlier with Billy. The girlfriend freaks out, like Rob, like Rob said. Um, she clearly does not have a one-to-one moral equivalency of rape, or yeah. or not even rape. It's just um, ill, ill words. Yeah, that was just like you know, trash talk. Just straight murder. I don't think there is anything, anything else going on there. You know, because I don't think Chip really did anything illegal. No, <laughs> so, so that was just murder for Ricky. Straight up murder because Ricky didn't want to hear it. And because of the color red. And, and this is another one of the greatest comical moments of this film. Is as she starts screaming at him about how awful he is. He starts yeah. hearing all the naughty punish. He grabs the antenna off Chip's car. And <laughs> yeah. as the girlfriend sees it, she goes, uh-oh. <laughs> she turns around yep. and starts to run away. Uh-oh. And he sh- chokes her with the antenna. I think there's something I'm learning on Cinemodities that I've probably always known, but discussing it has affirmed it for me. There's something that I just find unconditionally hilarious about the audible gasp. <laughs> like this movie, The Dog and Thanksgiving. There's probably some others I'm not remembering that we've talked about, but man, that will always be funny to me. When someone, when there's a shot of someone's face and you audibly hear a gulp or... <gasps> I'm like, that's just hilarious. 
And she like, does. She goes. Thank God we know, as an audience, thank God we know that this character knows they're about to get killed. It's like, because we didn't know that, but thank you for telling us. <laughs> uh-oh. And she actually says, uh-oh. Yeah. Like, she's like, I played my cards wrong this time. <laughs> <laughs> and he proceeds to choke her with the antenna. That would, that's how you, when you uh, do the shot-for-shot the shot remake of this, of this scene. Yes. That's what you have to have the actress say. I played my cards wrong this time. <laughs> that, was, that was the line in, in the script that didn't work yes. out. They had to uh, rewrite it on the spot. Yeah, of all the things in this movie that didn't make sense, one person was like, wouldn't she not be able to say that many words while getting choked? And they were like, oh, yeah, we should just make it a gasp and an uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so at this point, as soon as she's dead, the cop shows up. Um, so- maybe the most... I, I have a question for you, actually, about this. Okay. I always thought this was a cop. Okay. His uniform, which now I know, of course, you've told me many times, I'm going to remember this time, actually, Zach, you had a poor, poorer quality of this movie. The sleeve of his uniform says security officer. Oh. He does have a badge, but he also has a name tag. And his shirt says security officer. What security guard, one, has a gun, and two, is pulling up to this scene, you know, in this cul-de-sac or whatever? I I don't know. Well, if I had to guess was they could Costume was get, cheaper? Yes, or they couldn't get a police costume. <laughs> okay, so costume was cheaper, so Wait, they couldn't get it for financial what, reasons. They do have the police later on in the film, like, like, like yeah, moments later. Yeah, in different I, uniforms. I don't know. Why yeah, this, I, I always why, thought this was a cop, but it's a, it's a security officer. But why have a badge, yet if you have cop uniforms already, <laughs> why not just use the cop uniform? Zach, this is what you're going to have to uncover when you do all the research for this movie. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I told you, you can make a legit movie, forget the, the making of this film, you can make one just on the one sequence. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a Peter Jackson. I'm going to make a three-hour film based on the making of this film. Then I'm going to go back and do another three hours just on the sequence of Garbage Day. Nice. So um, the security guard cop shows up. Um, it's a very, I want to say like almost like a, a Don Knotts impersonation almost. Of the cop, yeah, like, I got that again. Sense definitely from it. a Don Knotts vibe from this. Like, there's nothing in it that's like over the top. This is what we're referencing, mm-hmm. but I just get that kind of idea of like a bumbling cop. Yeah, he's incompetent. You know, he's just you can tell right off the bat that you know he's not going to get Ricky. Ricky's going to get him in some in some crazy way. You know, and it's and, just yeah, he has that kind of motif around him. And for the record, this whole time Ricky's doing his cyborg stoic shtick still. Like like oh, he yeah. is. He's doing that, and he's dialing it up to, like, 11, if that reason is possible. Move. That whole time, literally, the cop, or the security guard, pulls up, gets out of his car, pulls his gun, and then slowly walks towards Ricky. Like, terrible move. Terrible move. Terrible move. <laughs> and Ricky really doesn't do anything. He just, like, the only movement he has is the cop points the gun into his face. And Ricky, and it's weird, Ricky grabs the gun and, like, bends it backwards. Yeah. Yet when we see the cop get shot in the head... <laughs> The gun has been like turned around instead of being pointed like upside down back at the cop. It's just been shoved sideways into his face. Again, a weird sort of like, I don't want to call the continuity error. They're just like, how do we make this work? (laughs) They're like, how do we make the guy get shot? That's all that matters. 
I think it's like, how do we make this jarring for the audience on a subconscious level? And and so the cop gets shot in the head, like we said earlier, in the, in the neatest headshot possible. It's basically just a drop of like red caro syrup, like yeah. dropping from his forehead. Um, Ricky has the gun. Ricky then proceeds to like what? The very next person is the guy coming out of the house, going, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, Ricky starts to like walk down the street, and the guy comes out, and he's like, "What's all this noise out here?" Like I said before, well after the noise has subsided. <laughs> I mean, Ricky proceeds to shoot him. Oh, just just done. This guy's just done. And what's interesting is that when Ricky shoots him, we have like a giant red splatter behind the guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Just to piss Ricky off even more. <laughs> well, that's that's the weird thing is that like the cop gets shot in the head. It's a drop of blood. The other guy gets like shot in the stomach <laughs> from like how many like feet away? <laughs> giant spray of blood. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's uh, again in, in, in the in the icing. Like that's why I said this sequence. And I'm not gonna be able to do it justice, unfortunately. <laughs> is that there's so much going on? Like oh, you yeah. have the you have like you have the the strangulation with the antenna. You have the cop. The cop getting shot in the head. The guy comes out for no reason. The giant blood splatter. As soon as Ricky shoots the guy, which we don't know why he's shooting him, just shoots him. Yeah. Um, th- then he goes mother. it's like what (laughs) what is going i love the low camera angle because i'm pretty sure it's like a low camera angle and ricky's walking and he's like motherfucker so good <laughs> oh it really is like and little do we know at that point that we're just getting started oh yeah because and then here comes the arguably one of the greatest moments in cinematic history um we see we have this great music cue uh, we'll probably play it like six or seven times back to back to make sure you get the full effect of it. You have this music cue of dun 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 or something like that. And we see a guy placing garbage cans, despite the fact that there's been two gunshots now in the neighborhood. Yeah. This guy is placing garbage cans in the street. Um, he places them. We see he places them. Then we see Ricky like in the distance, a low yet odd close up shot of Ricky going garbage day. Garbage day! Garbage day! Garbage day! Garbage day! <laughs> and then we cut back to... Do we cut back to the guy for like a split second? Yeah, I think um, it cut, cuts back to the guy and for like... For a like, split second. And, like, and he just has like a look of shock on his face. Yeah, it's like, whoa? And then we see Ricky in maybe one of the greatest shots of all time. We see, again, it's a low shot of Ricky... The the stoic cyborg face is just more stoic and cyborg than we've ever seen before in the film so far. <laughs> He's slow. I, I can't describe this. I, 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 I'm not a wordsmith. I know. I'm just this. like, I'm, I'm just can barely contain my laughter even like picturing it because I watched it earlier today. <laughs> so it's still in there. <laughs> it's a work of like, he lifts the like how he's holding the gun. Like imagine you're holding a gun. Like when you pull up a gun, most people pull up the gun and their elbow and arm is almost 180 degrees. (laughs) He pulls up the gun and the way he does it, it's almost as if he's bending his elbow to the right as he like pulls it up very awkwardly, shoots the guy. We cut back. 
the guy is shot back, like, 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 like falls backwards, and we cut back to Ricky going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> And then we, we see him walking again, different angle, and he, like, twirls the gun around his finger and goes, ha, 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 ha. It's, it's mind-blowing. Oh, like, yeah. There's a reason why this to this day, this is a meme. Like, this is the sort of cinema that, this is a, you could put monkeys in front of camera, a thousand (laughs) monkeys in front of a thousand cameras, and you would never get a shot as brilliant as this. Yep, yep. It's it's just, it's pure uh, imagination and insanity caught on film. Oh, oh, I I could do nothing but agree. So at, at this point, not to say anything against the sequence, it's still um, Gonzo brilliant, but it starts to go down a little bit because you can never top Garbage Day. Well, of course. <laughs> and we see him; he's walking down the street, right? And this is when the car shows up. Yeah, a red car. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the car shows up. He starts. He shoots at it three times. The car, for some reason, like goes on its side. He like, laughs at it too. As it's well, driving of course, he him. laughs at it. <laughs> Why wouldn't he laugh at it? And it goes on its side, and then it just like it doesn't even really even turn over. It just kind of like falls like what upside down or sideways. Yeah, it like veers off and into some like cardboard boxes or whatever you know props they had on the side of the some, road. Some level of debris. Yeah. And it just spontaneously catches fire. It blows up after he, he shoots it in like the, the air girl. intake. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's not going to hit anything that's going to make no. it explode. <laughs> and, and he again, like Rob said, he laughs at it. The next thing we know, he starts like walking down the street. The cops surround him. They're like, drop it, asshole. And he starts laughing hysterically. He pulls the gun up. They're like, drop it. And he puts the gun to his temple. And you're like, don't do it! Oh my god, every single police officer I think that they have in that scene, they give a line about not committing suicide. No! Don't do it! No! Not worth it! Don't be a fool! Don't do it! Don't kill yourself! Yes. It's very, it's very strange for how dark this movie has chosen to be about other things that they're immediately going to say no, don't do, don't commit suicide. Like they don't even, they don't even stretch, stretch it out a little bit that he might be able to do it or that he wants to do it later. It's never brought up again. That's the thing is like that's so out of place because there's no point in this film where you're led to believe either Billy or Ricky are suicidal. Yeah, exactly. And yet, and even uh, if Ricky was suicidal, he could have just—he thought he had bullets. He could have fired at the police officers, right? I don't. Was, I, was suicide by cop not a thing in the eighties? I, I don't know. I don't know if he was quick to the draw. I think it's the fact of denying the cops their their victory over uh, him. Okay. You, I don't know. That's just me uh, projecting onto this. Yet this is the capper, and not for the reason why people think so. He puts the gun to his head and he pulls the trigger, and it hits an empty chamber, and the gun is empty. No more bullets. And that's not amazing in and of itself. What is amazing is is that it's it's a police revolver, which usually has six chambers in it, mm. and he fires six shots during this whole sequence. <laughs> yeah. This is what amazes me. Throughout this entire sequence, like Rob said, maybe eight minutes tops, 
You have all this sheer insanity going on that makes no sense. You have a guy being electrocuted and eyes exploded with a battery. The girlfriend randomly being choked despite him loving her. The cop. The guy saying what the hell with the blood splatter. Garbage day guy. The car spontaneously combusting through the grill. You have all this. Yet somebody in the production said... We can't have him fire more than one, fire more than six shots. Yep. Yeah. I think that might be the most fascinating aspect <laughs> of this whole film is that somebody on set actually kept track of that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I, like I said, I genuinely think you could rewatch this sequence ad nauseum and learn something about it. And this oh, sequence oh, yeah. is like an onion. You keep pulling back <laughs> layers. It's 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 sheer insanity and brilliance all wrapped into one. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I have to agree. And even though I I do also agree with you on the fact that I think the the car showdown is a lower point of this sequence. It's still great, don't get me wrong. Yes. And I I have to imagine that this scene in particular inspired Christopher Nolan in the Joker movie when him and Christian Bale, or Heath Ledger and Christian Bale are like... Because the Joker, Joker would be reminiscent of um, Ricky, and whatever that red car is would be Batman. <laughs> what you're saying is that art, one of the greatest comic book films of all time is inspired by Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Uh, I would say that movie and Christopher Nolan as a whole, probably. You know what? Now that you mention it, I'm looking at my VHS cassette of, of Silent Deadly Night, and it looks like somebody etched like a name into it. It says... C. Newlin? <laughs> Newlin, I think it says. Coincidence? Maybe not. <laughs> but no, uh, the, the car exploding scene um, is, in absolute terms, is, is fantastic, but relative to Garbage Day, yeah, it, yeah. Is a, it is a step down. Tough to follow. Tough to follow. It is a tough act, yes. Um, but no, this is the after, end of our flashbacks. Finally, right? Yeah. After, after this, it's um everything is like, like transpiring in real time. So we go back <laughs> to the yeah. And there's hold on, hold on. Let me add these numbers okay. together. Oh my god, I think there's like 26 minutes left in the movie at this point. <laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of time in the movie left. So right? there, the biggest chunk of this movie 
is the first movie's flashbacks, and then a slightly smaller chunk is the, the new movie's flashbacks, and then an even smaller chunk is the end of this movie. It, it's, it's, it's a three-act structure. Yes. It's a comedy movie. It's a rule of threes. <laughs> so we go back to the interrogation room with Ricky has like his finger, his temple, essentially mirroring the scene of the flashback of him with the gun, the revolver to his head. Hmm. And he's, again, he's, he's, he's monologuing still. And the camera slowly pans over. And we see that somehow during him telling this story, he has strangled the, the, yeah. the, the 13th psychiatrist. Yeah. And then we, we do a close-up on the uh, recorder as we hear him go out into the hallway. And there's clearly a struggle between him and the orderly or orderlies. Mm-hmm. This is one scene I actually thought was pretty clever, especially for the time okay. that didn't have digital technology, is that we do have the sweeping shot of him with the gun to his head. And we see the camera then go to the doctor. Then mm-hmm. we then we pan to the, the recorder. And then the recorder keeps going. Then the, the recorder, the camera pans up from the recorder, yep. and we see the the nun with the investigators. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Like that's a that is pretty cool. Is, that is a that is some legit top tier A plus camera work. Yeah, it comes from the same movie that gives us the <laughs> garbage day sequence. I think I I didn't I think I didn't pick up on that today because I was distracted in in I think when it's like. When Ricky escapes and the camera is panning over to the tape recorder, there's a voice in the background of like one of the nurses or orderlies, and it's just it's a great delivery where they're like, "Oh my God, he's loose!" <laughs> <laughs> and, and like I just laughed hysterically at that. <laughs> oh my God, he's loose! That's another one of these weird things where you have this like incompetence mixed with like superb mastery of the art like yeah. that's so weird like the same it really person is. that can that can that can because i'm pretty sure the same guy that directed this also edited it so uh. like again to have a director also be the editor and at the time do the camera just right to get this and then it coming together flawlessly in editing mm-hmm. it's like again and yet the same man had the garbage day street sequence <laughs> and didn't realize like oh yeah <laughs> uh, like maybe I should do a second take, or maybe I should tell the actor to stop acting this way. <laughs> really can't figure it out. Oh, but but anyway, though, this is kind of when the plot becomes kind of uh, ho hum and kind of predictable. The only thing that's left is the uh, the superhero showdown between Ricky and Mother Superior, right? Basically, because the only other really genuinely comical moment at this point. Don't be wrong; it, it's funny. Um, some of the stuff he does later on, but it's nowhere near as good as the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But we see him like um, we see the the was it like the oh, God, I don't even know how to describe it. It's the like what Salvation Army. Oh yeah, the Santa Claus that he steals the yeah. uniform from. Yep. You hear the guy. The guy clearly sounds like Benny. I was legitimately going to be like, where the hell? I was like, where the hell is that going with this? <laughs> no, but like, like because we don't ever see this the. Santa, like, until talk. he's dead, we yeah, yeah. We, we only see him when he's dead, and the guy sounds just like Benny from Kids to Feed. Hey, man, I got five kids to feed. Yeah, he's like, Hey, man, what are you doing tonight, man? Why you shouldn't be out on a night like this? Okay, okay, and, like, he sounds like that. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas! Ho, ho, ho. Give a dollar for the kitties. Ho, ho, ho. 
I'd like to give a little something to Santa. It's like, a, it's like a, almost an older white man, I thought. When yeah, I like the voice does not. What clearly happened was, in editing or post-production, they felt they needed audio for that moment, or the original oh. audio, something happened to it. So clearly the director had one of his friends come in, or whoever was just nearby that day, mm-hmm. and they ADR'd the line in. Okay. So clearly it's it, it, it was done because something didn't work out. I'm guessing, gotcha. or they, just, or, or they didn't gotcha. record it with the actor that that was the Salvation Army Santa. Yeah, yeah. Because he that's, calls, because we hear him, like we hear the Salvation Army. That's another weird thing. The camera slowly like pans from left to right. We hear the Salvation Army Santa say his little like quips. We hear Ricky attack him. Then he, we see him call Mother Superior and be like, yep. "Merry Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> and and then like we see Mother Superior and we see that she had a stroke and the reason why apparently she had a stroke is because they couldn't get back the original Mother Superior <laughs> so that was their way of like putting makeup on like an actress that didn't look like her like see there's no reason why she can't look different yeah but no because at this point like like Rob said like the only other genuinely funny moment in this besides just like small things you can hear in there kind of like pick out like. Like her trying to lock it. Like, why does she have like a lock in her bedroom that has to be locked with a key? Oh, yeah, all that stuff. But see, my I think my attention was just taken away from everything else. Some of the minor details in this scene because, well, I've already stated my belief that Ricky and Billy are superheroes. Why is fucking Mother Su- Mother Superior a superhero after she had a stroke in a wheelchair? Like, doesn't she get back up after she falls down the stairs and shit like that? Well, the thing I find interesting about that is that she's at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. And she has to get down because Ricky's coming. Ricky swings the axe into her wheelchair. She falls <laughs> out of it, falling down, like, what seems like like three stories worth of stairs. Oh, yeah, she does a few somersaults. <laughs> yeah, and she lands on the ground, and next thing we know, she's back in the wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, she starts moving, and Ricky's at the top of the stairs, and I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? So she has her own supervillain powers. Well, I guess it's... I don't know if there is a hero or a villain in this movie. They might just all just have powers and be fighting for some reason. The only the only hero is the person who directed the Garbage Day sequence. Other than that, we're all villains. <laughs> I think if you took the previous thing I said out of context, you could use it to describe Infinity War. <laughs> No, well, that too. But it's it's a this is a much better movie with the same description. Oh, definitely. But um, other than that, I kind of like the cat and mouse chase through the uh, Mother Superior's house. The only other genuinely funny moment is the fact that Mother Superior, Southern eh, Mother Superior oh. lives at whatever the, the street name six six six. Yeah, the the street address is six six six. Yeah, we don't like know the street. It. We don't know the street name, but the street address is six six six. So I do, I do like that. But uh, I, I noticed that when Ricky first breaks in, like Ricky has the axe at the door, and there's a shot of the axe going into the outside of the door, and you can see six six six. But then later on, when the nun and the detective show up, the nun like actually like stops at the door and like flourishes her hand underneath the six six six, and I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, get the hell out of here. I didn't need that. Well, that's the thing in this movie, though. Again, trying to discern what is intentional from what is unintentional. Uh, yeah, I guess, it's, I guess you're right. Like, clearly having the nun live at 666 is meant to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is the logic of like, oh, this devout Christian is living at that address. Yeah, yeah. Like, so they want to bring that, some more attention to it. 
Yeah, but like this is the same woman who's having a fit because the parade is like sacrilegious. Oh yeah, yeah, she, like yeah, she would live in a house with the street number being six hundred and sixty-six. Yep. <laughs> like, like that's so weird. That never mind the practicality of six 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 being a street address in a small town. Mm. It's like how long is this street? How many? How many like kilometers is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, because like the movie kind of ends. Uh, Ricky exacts his family revenge. He yep. beheads uh, Mother Superior. He's about to attack the nun, the other one, and the cops shoot him. He gets blasted with a shotgun out the window. Um, uh, the nun screams, and Ricky's eyes open. Yeah. And I want to say that like that's one thing about this is that I think the the end credits music is like unnaturally creepy. Like it's a very okay. like considering what you just watched and considering that it's a it's a laugh a minute film and you have yeah. this very creepy end credits music, it doesn't really huh. fit the tone of what we've just watched for eighty five minutes. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess I didn't really uh, think it didn't fit, but I definitely picked up on it being a little um, more chilling than anything. Yeah, exactly. Prior. It's 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 unusually chilling. Considering that this this is kind of yeah the rest like of this, the movie we get a lot of synth and stuff don't we uh, maybe near maybe some of the flashbacks bit. which might have been the first movie but who knows yeah I don't know apparently the budget for this is only hundred thousand dollars so woo <laughs> yeah that's that's Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two um, okay so I guess I guess I have something to bring up about the credits I want to know if you noticed this Zach or if you just can barely see the credits on your copy. Um, do you by any chance know the gaffer for this movie? No. <laughs> so, uh, on the credits, the gaffer is listed with a last name and a, fir- a first name and a last name. First name Roe, R-O. Last name Mance, M-A-N-C-E. Literally romance, but split up at the syllable. Seriously. No, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> so I, I, I this is a real person, of course. I looked into it. They've done some other like B-movie work, it seems. But this guy goes by Romance. How great is that? <laughs> That's cool. Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to, to ask you, um, have you ever seen a movie with slower credits than this? These credits scroll so slowly. It's almost unbearable. Because, you know, I was watching it for my post credit scene, of course. But it was like, do they think we don't know how to read and we're sounding all this stuff out? It three, was terribly slow. Three words. Pad the <laughs> runtime. That should be that should be one thing that they make illegal to pad the runtime is slower text on screens. That bothers me so much. It's like the people when I watch things with people and I have I have subtitles on and they're like, why? They're like, can you actually read those subtitles? They're disappearing so quickly. And I'm like, yeah, and that way they don't distract me. And they're like, I can't read them that fast. And then they'll, they'll like not talk about it for a while. And then be like, can we turn the subtitles off? They're just distracting me. I was like, you said you can't even fucking read them! <laughs> so, you know, it just, it just drives me. That type of stuff drives me crazy. Text in movies. <laughs> text in movies is Yeah, bad. remember Denis Villeneuve? I complained about him doing text at the start of movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the reading at the starts of movies. Reading is bad. Reading are bad. <laughs> Me fail English? That impossible. Possible. <laughs> oh dear. So, Rob, is there anything else you want to talk about this movie? I think we can move on to the grand old questions uh, because I'm sure we're going to have to revisit this at some point again. 
and I have I have many many more notes we could talk about. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Um, as I make my own film, that'll be that'll be another film that Simonetti's <laughs> bankrolls is the uh, what would we call that? Like like you have the room and the disaster artist. What would be the the equivalent hmm. of of that? Like what would be the title? Would it involve Garbage Day? Since it's that scene, I guess I guess it would be. I guess or it would some be type a- of play on Garbage Day. You know. Yeah, I think it would have to be something like like, like a stroll down. It's it's like um, a stroll down garbage day lane. What is that? Something like sanitation time frame <laughs> instead of like garbage day sanitation. Well, I'm trying to think of something that would match up. Sanitation hour. <laughs> Who work on it? <laughs> I want that to be. Just let me do that in your movie, Zach. There'd be one like. A, like a credits blooper or something where I'm playing the part and I get to scream sanitation time or something like that. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be my. good. Okay. But no, yes, we can move on. All right, Rob. If you're ready. Cinemati and or late night movie. Uh, yes. And yes. What did I do for the Batman V Superman where I had like a no with an asterisk on each letter and they both led to different footnotes that said no. I would say this is the exact opposite. This is the word yes, where every letter has like an asterisk and they all lead to different footnotes that also say yes. Or things like fuck yes, or things like absolutely. How can you go wrong with this? Uh, This is the type of thing that, you know, I'm, I'm sure I get some laughs out of people. And hell, even if they don't like it, I get to see it again and put them through that misery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say, uh, uh, no, without a doubt, Cinemati. Um, late night movie, I think, like you said, it does have its lulls. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not um, in, like, uh, predisposed, yeah, predisposed to like this sort of schlock. And I think that might be off-putting to some people where I think oh, yeah. th- there's enough weird stuff going in L, something like elves where elves will get people's attention because it's like oh you start a movie with uh, the witches of the anti-christmas coven yeah. it's like okay you've hooked most people with that that one line of dialogue oddly enough is a hook to get most people mm-hmm. this doesn't have that like there's no yeah. you you're either on board with this movie or you're not mm-hmm because I yeah. know in that first like five minutes where there's no dialogue and it's just Ricky making faces at the Dave Chappelle orderly and it is such a, a slow chug to watching Billy finally like start doing his shtick is, is the Santa Claus slasher yeah, villain. Yeah. I think about it. you don't get the Billy uh, uh, hack and slash until what, like a half an hour into the film. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much near the end of um, our first set of flashbacks. Yeah, so I think I think this would be a harder sell. Like, people will watch this, and I mm. think there are moments, and if you aren't that type of person that likes the sort of uh, so bad it's good, you yeah. would turn a lot of people off with this. So this is a, this is like a, you know, we, we have, a, let's say, at least a few around the shelf now, actual late-night movies. This is, this is one of the know-your-audience ones, you're saying. And I agree with that. You kind of have to, you know, expect them if... You know, if it, it doesn't just so happen that I want to put it on and watch it, regardless of who else is there, this is definitely something where I'd have to kind of have some history with that person and know that they like to laugh at stuff, movies like this. Yes. Like, whereas, again, Elves is more of a shock and awe. Yeah. But it, it leads you down the path. So 
You have, and plus, I think there is a much more relatable. I like, think about it, you watch this movie. There is no relatable character in this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's no like, Bunce McGavin. <laughs> no, and there's no Kirsten, who's like like the the girl next door, who like has a mother who's mean to her and drowns her cat. There's there's no sympathetic character in this entire film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody in this film is more or less either a bad person or you kind of just feel indifferent toward them. Mm-hmm. Like even when Ricky's girlfriend's killed, it's not like oh too bad it's just like oh, okay <laughs> yeah exactly uh like and i think that's what it is though this is this is a definite um even though it is a late night movie you have to know the audience for it yep. whereas i think yep. cinema i think we've kind of for the last um um six hours laid out the the cinemati all the reasons why it's a cinemati indeed indeed so rob what snack do we eat during this oh uh, i guess i have to start i guess we should, say we should start with the lowest hanging fruit uh, how do we reuse our own garbage and call it garbage day at the Cinemodities restaurant? Ideas? <laughs> well, I figure I figure we have another event at the Cinemodities restaurant where you like if you get caught like carrying the garbage, you get sh- like like there's like the, I don't know one of the waiters that we've hired like like has the garbage can if you like pick it up. Like let's say mm-hmm. they put it like in front of your booth so you can't get out unless you move it. And if you hit it at the wrong time, Ricky shows up and tries shooting you. Like like somebody tries shooting you. <laughs> But if you pick it up the right time, you see your waiter holding your food on the other side. Something like that. And okay. you should know too, because like once the garbage can's like put there, you hear gunshots. You should know better. <laughs> much like the guy, you don't you don't like put two and two together. Like, hmm, I hear gunshots in my neighborhood. Maybe I shouldn't be outside putting garbage out that could wait half an hour. Oh my god! I'm just thinking of like a Cinemodities commercial where it starts like a very family friendly thing, like an Olive Garden or a Red Lobster type of thing, and we see all these people sitting around a a table or a booth or something like one of the semicircle booths and one guy orders this thing with the trash can and the trash can goes down in front you hear gunshots and the other guy at the table goes i've had this before it's really good <laughs> 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 the one dude's like what is happening right now <laughs> everybody in, at the table's like what is happening right now oh man <laughs> oh man okay so i like that i like um cuz you're involving more of the actual scene that I was trying to do, you know, because I was I was trying to, you know, save us some money, reuse some food type of thing, Zach. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we need this film as inspiration for that. That's true. That's true. We, and to be fair, we don't really have any foods in here with the exception of the one I already mentioned, the Tecate beer. Yes. Zach, have you ever had Tecate beer? No. I don't. Have drink- you, Rob? Uh, I have. I've tried a lot of beers. Tried many beers. I do not like beer. I don't drink beer. Um, I think Zach has made it abundantly clear that I'm a hard liquor person to everybody. Um, the Jingle All the Way episode makes that abundantly <laughs> clear. But uh, I have seen people buy an insane amount of Tecate for incredibly small amounts of money. Like apparently, this is one of the cheapest beers you can possibly get. Uh, this was a few years back. I don't know if they're still relatively cheap i don't know if they're still around even i don't go searching for any beer at all but since i'm trying to save on costs if we offer a beer at the cinematis restaurant it's going to be tecate that's my pitch oh okay <laughs> so it's it's literally the probably the cheapest beer we can get that won't turn everybody off like if we got um i don't know, like a bud light or something like that that people would just complain about I think as, that could work. As like a spot it's cost effective. It was, it was in this movie too, so it does have a relationship uh, to a cinemodity. Cool. All right. Right on. Uh, 
considering that we need more beverages, I got another beverage. Oh, nice. Um, we are taking the, the co- or, I don't even want to call it a cocktail, but the mixed drink of a Shirley Temple because it's red, and we are calling <laughs> it the Naughty Punish Beverage. <laughs> the Naughty Punish Beverage. And yes. so it's just a red Shirley Temple, is that what you're saying? So it's essentially a Shirley Temple with a different name. Okay, okay. Right Naughty on. Punish Punch. That doesn't sound bad. Like, that's something that probably exists that, like, you know, it's probably not, you know, maybe not the same thing we're discussing, but I'm sure a name like that exists somewhere, you know? Yeah, Naughty yeah. Punish Punch. Right on, right on. That's, so that's a, that's like a, a, a beginner Cinemodities restaurant item. <laughs> yeah, you, you can serve, actually, actually you give, it's kind of like when you have, like, a wedding and the kids can't drink, so you, like, can go, like, the, yeah. to the bartender, like, make me, like, three Shirley Temples, so the kids think they're part of it. Do you think the kids, most kids, will react well if the parents tell them it's naughty punish punch? <laughs> do you think that'll, that'll like shine they the don't need to know that much? Yeah, it's up to the parents. Parents don't have to tell them, right? No, kids shouldn't even get the drink menu. Well, the kids all want the garbage cans ordered on the menu. It's kind of like the activity. So it's like uh, you know, you go to like the chain restaurants and they have like those little tablets where the kids can play like like, yeah. like games. Instead, we have the garbage can game where there's a, a madman in a blue sweater trying to shoot the clientele. <laughs> hey that's what's setting us apart <laughs> uh, so rob how are we going to end this episode well i think now that you got it stuck in my head that i should listen to that uh ending or the outro music for uh silent night deadly night part two let's maybe use that in reverse of course with a healthy mixing of garbage day in both of course <laughs> oh dear Alrighty, folks Maybe Happy New Year, maybe not. We oh, don't yeah. really know at this point. Um, if we record another episode, uh, we'll take back this Happy New Year, and we'll give you another one next week. Okay, okay. When when should I announce to everybody that my my New Year's resolution is to quit Cinemodities? <laughs> Never too soon to announce that. <laughs> Zach's going to have a new host. <laughs> Mark's going to come back. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
Damn Nazi or something? Is that elf yours? How many teeth you got, huh? 